Welcome to Light Steps Live. Our mission is to open the Word of God to edify the believer and evangelize the world, that people who follow Jesus can walk in the light as He is in the light. When we're going through tough times, we need to be reminded of what God really says about the throes of life. In today's teaching, we continue to study the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 48. Let's listen as we are reminded of important truths that are equally relevant now as they were when Jesus first taught them. Turn to Matthew chapter number 5. Now, as you know, during these very strange days we've been experiencing, I, I have posited that taking a look at the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most productive things we can do. Why? It's really this simple. Jesus stepped into a culture and a world, particularly the Jewish culture, that was supposed to know him better than anyone else, but they didn't. They were supposed to be more ready for the Messiah. They were supposed to know God more than anyone else. They didn't. And they were quite satisfied with, with thinking things were one way. And, uh, Jesus said, actually, you know, you, you, you guys are, are, are wrong about that. And here he was correcting their thinking, but not for the point of beating them down, but for the point of opening them up. And the reason I think this is perfect for us is because we're in this position where this COVID-19 crisis has us thinking in ways we probably haven't been thinking, has us open in ways we probably haven't been open. And it's this perfect occasion for us to, as the old uh, praise song from the 60s or 70s would say, take a look at ourselves and, uh, and then we'll look at others differently by putting our hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. You know, this puts us in a position where God might could say, you know, so you think you knew some things. Let me really show you what the deal is. And so if you'll remember, this is the, the, the beginning of the earthly ministry of Jesus. And you'll know that he goes around speaking wisdom and presenting his power. And uh, I think Jesus talked about these sort of things all the time. But as the Apostle John would say, if we wrote down everything Jesus said, that, you know, a library couldn't hold it. Um, I, I think this is the sort of things he taught on all the time. Now, to some, to some, this was corrective thinking. The Sermon on the Mount was corrective thinking. To others, it was revelatory thinking. And I think that's important for us in this time we're going through too, because for some of us, for some of us, we already know these things, but it's good to be reminded of them. And for some of us, we need the revelation to, to land on us. And we need to find out what the hardened mind of God is really like. Also, I think there's a second very powerful benefit. That second very powerful benefit is I think we are often most tempted in times of weakness and crisis and personal or or even corporate trial. When we're going through something, those are the times that we come most, we become most susceptible to moral failure. We become weak. We become tired. We become confused. And we become success, susceptible to moral failure. And so we need to be reminded of what uh, God really says and what God really intends. 
versus what we feel comfortable getting away with. Uh, I, I want to illustrate this in a really uh, um, simple way. Maybe somebody out here can identify what, with what I'm saying. I, I know that sometimes I stress eat. I know that, you know, like when I'm, when I'm being rational and everything is going in a way that's not so stressful, that I am more likely to make healthy choices in what I eat and how much I eat. But those times I'm under stress, that's the time when, you know, my junk food in, intake is, is, is likely to go up. The times I'm under stress is the times I'm more likely to, uh, overeat. So, eat what's not healthy and then overeat what's not healthy. And so I, 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 you know, and it doesn't have to be negative moral stress, like uh, trying to find a roofer for a job we're doing has been difficult. And, you know, what do I do? I, I stop at the store and, and, you know, and, and get me a, a big fat lemonade and a, and a little Debbie Swiss roll. Um, and I, I do it because I fall back on comfort eating and stress. Well, I think a lot of times our moral, our good moral guard, our righteous outworking of our faith is right there, but we're under stress and we start taking shortcuts for the sake of comfort or to try to ease our pain or minister to ourselves. And, and I think this, this crisis, this pandemic is one of these times where we suddenly become open and more susceptible to falling for things that we think will make us happy or set us at peace or make us feel good in some kind of way. So I think these reminders come at a very critical time. We're going to endeavor to do something here over the course of a few minutes. We're going to endeavor to look at some very big things in life. If you'll remember, we... We said last time we were together that, you know, anger is, is one of those things that, that is deeper than what happens with our hands. Anger is what happens in our heart. Jesus, right? Or excuse me, I should say murder, right? Murder is more than what happens in our hands. It happens in our hearts and its root is anger. Jesus goes on to unfold several other examples. Now, if you're anything like me, maybe all of these don't get you, but all of them get you to some degree. I mean, maybe they don't nail you, but they get you a little bit. And definitely one or two of these will just land right in your face. So maybe not all of them are in your face, but something's going to be in your face. And maybe you're not wildly guilty of all of these, but to some degree, I think we can find ourselves to some degree guilty of all these things. Because the issue is not always what we do with our hands or, you know, um, what we do outwardly. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be talking about lust and I'm trying to be careful. It's not simply about what we do outwardly. It's also about from where it stems inwardly. So let's jump right in with that overbearing introduction that I hope is helpful. Let's jump right in and take these section by section. Let's look at Matthew 27. I mean, excuse me, Matthew chapter five, verse 27. You have heard it. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now we're speaking in the 
with male gender words, but we know that this, the, the, both the precept and the principle could be true if we switch those to female gender words. Verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Let's try to handle this in some brief terms so we can push through this. You, you see very clearly that Jesus is, is, is saying beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is not simply an issue of what you do bodily. This is also an issue of what's in your heart. Now, why is this critical? Because here we are right now and uh, we're, we're tired of not going out. We're tired of of, um, of being cooped up in the house. And it's, uh, you know, it's really easy to start seeking ways to, to satisfy our inner desires. It's really easy. And because, you know, you don't always know who's watching, who's listening. I want to speak in very adult terms. We can begin to take up things, um, outward things, um, to, to, to settle some inward desire. And, and what we discover is those outward things don't really settle the inward desire and they cause inward pain. I'm going to leave you to be adults to figure out what I mean. But also what's really more at the heart of this is the sort of stuff that breaks relationships both horizontally and vertically. In other words, lust is not just an issue of what we do outwardly, and adultery is not just an issue of what we do outwardly. It is an issue of what we do inwardly, and by the time it gets to outward working, it is already caused inward brokenness. Let me say that again. By the time it gets to outward working, it's already caused inward breaking. So uh, as I look here at the scriptures, as I look at it, I clearly see Jesus saying, let's get to the heart of the matter. The moral outward standard is do not commit adultery. And I don't think anyone would uh, uh, disagree with that, right? Do not commit adultery. So he says very clearly in verse 27, don't do that. In our culture today, we start messing around with the definition of what it even means to commit adultery. And um, you can mess with that all day long. But what it basically means, if we're understanding Jesus, is it's not just a married person fooling around with another married person or a married person cheating on their spouse. It really means that if you, if you are not in a wholly committed relationship, don't don't, don't do anything, even within your heart with someone else. So, so we can fool around that all day long. And I realize some, some, uh, some young people might listen to this and you, what you need to do is, is to have some deep conversations with your, your parents. And, uh, I'm going to leave it that. I would like to talk about it very bluntly, but when you release things, 
out, you know, you release media out into the audio and visual world. You, you, you want to, you want to be kind and, and not put somebody in a position where you're saying more to them than maybe their parents have said to them. The point here, let's just call it what it is without being ungentlemanly is Jesus says sexual sin doesn't just happen physically. The root of it's in the heart. I think this is really critical during this time we're living in because we often have what's at the root of us, good desires. But as the apostle James says, a, a good desire can get with a bad opportunity and they can, they can get together and produce death. And so here we are, we feel frustrated. We, some of us are probably, we feel lonely. We feel, you know, dissatisfied with our position in life. And what we can start doing is, is that good desire to want to feel loved and, and to want to feel accepted, to want to feel wanted. That can be a good desire instead of, 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 of finding the healthy vertical and the healthy horizontal expression of that, we can just start finding bad substitutes. And so Jesus would just tell us point blank here, all right, A, don't do that. And don't be satisfied that you're not doing it with your hands. Let's also take a look at your heart. And he says, so I'm saying like, don't commit adultery, but don't be satisfied by just saying, I haven't done anything with anybody. He says, start looking, basically saying, look at your thought life, look at your heart life. I think this is a wonderful illustration because I think it can begin to play across many other areas of our lives. I'm being very honest with you guys when I tell you that sometimes I stress eat. I used to stress smoke and stress a drink and stress chew tobacco. And it seems like I've poured all of that some days, some days into stress eating. Um, I'll just eat absentmindedly sometimes. And, and you know, uh, what it is is I, I have to have food to, to survive. I enjoy food and I take what I have to have and what I enjoy. And I begin to find the wrong expression for it. And Jesus just says, yo, Stop it and then look at your heart. And it's not simply about does it hurt others? What it does is it also damages your relationship with God. How do I know? He says, you, you know, look at the scripture yourself. He says, hey, it would be better. It would be better for your spiritual relationship if you plucked out that physical eye. So I know this is one, how it how it's working on the horizontal level, but in a deeper way, it's how it's working on a vertical level. And if in a time of weakness, you take what could be a good root desire and match it with a bad opportunity, you are not only having the potential for this to separate you from the living God, you're having the potential for this to ruin relationships. And the worst part of it is being separated from the living God. Amen. The worst part of it is being separated from the living God. But another bad part of it is ruining horizontal relationships. And when we're under stress, do rest, confusion, we begin to let down the walls of our defense. That's why I think this teaching is really critical for these days. Do you see it? So he's saying, uh, if you like, you know, if, if you look at it, he's saying like, if your physical, if, if your physical, if this is a window, right, that lets things in, that begin to not, lets bad opportunity in to match with what could be 
what could have a pure desire, right? We all want companionship. We all want acceptance. We all want to be wanted. That doesn't have to be a negative desire, but when it meets a bad opportunity, just go read James 1. When it meets a bad opportunity, that possible good root meeting a bad opportunity, what happens is if this is the window of it, uh, Jesus is saying it'd be better if you plucked if you plucked out that eye, that's the window to the bad opportunity. It'd be better. Now he's not telling you to go pluck out your eye. He's saying um, it might be it might be good if this is constantly one of those things that ruins your inter your inner horizontal relationships, ruins your inner vertical relationship. It would be better. It would be better to deal with people and to be ready to face God with one eye or maybe even no eyes then it would be to keep your eyes and ruin horizontal relationships and to ruin vertical relationships. That's the core of what Jesus is saying here. Also, if we press on into what is even a more sensitive subject, we can see right here in Matthew chapter five, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, we can, we can get into that all day long. Perhaps sometimes we should. But to get to the core of this issue during this time, Jesus is really cautioning against casually or too easily wrecking something very serious. What is that something very serious? The commitment of lifelong emotional, mental, spiritual, physical fidelity to one person. We can wreck that. We can wreck that over inconsequential stuff. And he said, uh, we better be really careful about wrecking the gift of lifelong committed relationship. And in our times of weakness, we better be doubly on guard for that. Again, we could teach on this all day long. But for the sake of what we're saying here, Jesus began to say, uh, I mean, Jesus wants us to begin to look at uh, hey, are you on the right track? Do you treat relationships casual? Do you treat lust and adultery casual? Do you understand how it comes into your life? Are you that person that uh, really easily gets into things that could be ruinous on the inside and be ruinous in your heavenly relationship? And are you that person that casually treats things that were never meant to be casual? That's some really deep questions. That is where we will end the teaching for today. We hope you will join us next week for more on the Sermon on the Mount. Light Steps Live is a listener-supported podcast. Would you be interested in sponsoring Light Steps Live? Go to our website, lightsteps.live, to contact us or make your donation. While you're visiting our website, check out the Light Steps blog for a short daily devotional.
Thank you for joining us on Light Steps Live today. My name is Katie Bose, and the rest of our production team is Andrew Liggett, Shannon Allen, and Steve Riley. Music provided by Banjo Ben Clark. Connect with Banjo Ben at banjobenclark.com. Tim Bose is a pastor of East Rock Community Church and the executive director of My Life Matters, a gospel ministry with a focus on making disciples who become lifelong followers of Jesus. Discover more about My Life Matters at mylifematters.club. Music